What a promise. What a reality. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Good to be here tonight and to worship together with you all and those that have joined with us online and over the internet. We just want to say God bless you down at the chapel in Washington. We just pray that God will be with each and every one of you and speak to your need and to your desire. Amen. Brother Michael Ray is going to speak to us tonight. We're looking forward to that. This world is not my home. I am just passing through. Amen. We don't want this just to be words. It's a reality. And we're singing what we believe. Amen. Praise the Lord. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My prayers are laid up. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Well, we're already shouting victory. We're not going to wait till then. We're going to do it now. We're going to put the devil on the run. Amen. Praise God. Just over in the glory land, we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory.
Let me walk with you, Jesus. Let me walk with you, Jesus. beside me.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. What a friend that we can walk with. That He has invited us to walk with Him. And before we even knew Him, He already loved us. Before we even got sick, He had already provided healing. Every need, Lord, that we could ever experience in our lives, He has already provided. How we thank the Lord Jesus. We bless your name tonight, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just want to read a few prayer requests here tonight. And uh, just want to start out with a, a testimony from uh, Beatrice Sterling, I believe. Over a month ago, I was dealing with a condition called vertigo, fainting spells. It just cripples you when it comes on. Taking medication three times a day. She writes, It was time to stake a claim. Stand on the word of God, cast the devil out, and lock the door with faith standing guard. Keep the sword drawn and ready to do battle. God bless. So we're just thankful that God is a provider and we believe for our sister. Amen. Sister Cheryl Goss is asking for prayer for her father in the Edmonton Hospital. <clears throat> he was um, was tested for COVID and is negative, but is unable to breathe on his own. So we just want to remember to pray for him for a quick recovery. And that guide the doctor's hands. I'm going to prayer request also in Edmonton for called in from uh, Sister Vera Draves for her grandson Michael uh, Kaluzniak in Edmonton who has been hospitalized with COVID very very sick and we just want to remember her grandson in prayer um, just want to continue to remember the Happy Valley Assembly down in Tennessee going through it with COVID down there we just want to continue to remember them and um, Sister Grace Beattie is asking for prayer for her brother Paul Frandy for healing and salvation. And um, a sister, Joyce Sacabo, is a native sister from Saskatchewan, whom we we know. Um, her grandson came out here to BC as a young man and just dropped out of uh, contact and disappeared. And they've been looking for him for. I think a couple of months already and just coming back and forth to Vancouver as they can afford to and they haven't been able to find them. So we just want to bring that before the Lord. A mother and a grandmother coming out here to look for their grandson and just probably got in with the wrong crowd. I don't know what the situation is, but we just know that God knows. So we just want to bring that before the Lord in prayer. Brother Tim, could I ask you to come and pray with us? Amen. Let's bow our heads together. If you have a need, why don't you just raise your hand before the Lord who sees all of the needs, knows the very secrets of our heart. Heavenly Father, we're thankful this morning, this evening, Lord, that we serve a mighty God. 
Lord, that we serve a God who is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. A God who loves us, who cares about us. Lord, you said, cast all of your cares upon me. For you care for us, Lord. And we've come to do that tonight, Lord. Whether we're here in attendance, whether we're out on the internet, might be standing alone in a room, but a hand raised, you see it, Lord. And you see the heart beneath that hand, the needs that are represented. And we lift our hands in faith, Father, saying, Lord, we believe that you're more than able to meet the need. Lord, it's our faith that says if we raise our hand, that you see our hand. The God who created heavens and earth, who knows all things. Lord, thinking about this mother and grandmother searching for their son, oh God. Lord, I think about that little boy in Memphis that Brother Branham prayed for. Lord, to the mother, that's always her little baby. Lord, that's always the one that she loves. And so, Lord, where our heart goes out to them. Lord, may you turn the boy around. Send him back home, oh God, whatever the trouble is. Lord, may you loose him from the hand of the enemy. Lord, we're remembering those and we've named names of those that are suffering from this COVID virus that is going around, Father. Some in the hospital unable to breathe. Some young men, oh God. We've named their names because we believe, Lord, if we mention them before you, that, Lord, you'll drive the enemy from them and you'll loose them, oh God, in their body from the affliction of this virus. Whomever it might be, oh God, may even now you go to those hospital rooms. May you visit them in their homes. One one prayer request for Sister Beatty for her brother. Lord, for healing and salvation, Father. We're asking in the name of Jesus Christ that you will do the supernatural. We're asking together. We are asking believing. We are asking before the living God. Lord, the devil does not stand a chance. He's already defeated. And we're claiming the redemptive work at Calvary to be ministered into each and every life life this evening. You see every request, Father. You see every heart. And Lord, as Brother Michael comes to the pulpit tonight, we're not looking to a man. We're looking to a supernatural God who is able to take a man, any man, beyond his own ability and step into that vessel and minister to your children tonight. Lord, may you minister love, that greatest power that there is, O oh God. May you minister deliverance. May you minister divine inspiration, Lord. May you minister peace and joy and long suffering oh god great overcoming in this age lord we pray as we commit it all to you we ask now lord the blessing of your presence upon this service upon the remainder of the song service and lord upon the ministry of the word we love you lord we thank you for every testimony and we look forward to every testimony in the days ahead Lord, there might be churches that are suffering, but you're the God of those people. It's not the four walls, it's the people, oh God. Lord, that you are in the midst of driving the enemy from their midst. We thank you, Lord, as we commit all things to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right, you can have your seats tonight. You just don't know what it means to have some people in the building. When you stop singing, you can actually hear people singing. That's just wonderful. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
We'll sing one more number, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand. And we'll ask our brother Michael to come and minister unto us. Time is filled with swift transition. Not on earth of who can stand. of so much change and who knows what's going on, you want to hold on to something that ain't moving. An absolute, amen? That's what we need. Amen. Well, that's all the singing we'll do tonight. Thank you, musicians. Greet everybody in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My, it was good to hear. I listened on the on the screen and I could indeed hear your singing. It was uh, coming through the, the speaker so loud. I said, wow, that's fantastic. I was just imagining all the different ones at home singing their hearts out as well and praising and uh, what a what a shout of praise that was lifting up to heaven this evening. If I enjoyed it, I can only imagine what the Lord was was so pleased with. Amen. Uh, just a couple of things. I do want to uh, just note half of our sanctuary at the bottom end here is done with the staining. It's looking really sharp. And uh, we have another half and then upstairs here. So we're moving along. And so I did want to just uh, mention if anybody that is of a particular type 
and uh, you know has some level of detail and and uh, willing to meticulously stain and and such we need that type of person uh to come and uh, maybe help help and just uh, move the staining along it's a bit of a tedious process and so if anyone is looking for something to do and uh, like i said is of that particular type uh please just uh, come by call the office and and uh we're here all through the day and and sister elizabeth brother serge could um we'll coach you along there all right i also do want to just let you uh, just thank you on behalf of brother tom for uh, all your prayers. He's doing well at home and the, and uh, just managing through the the first couple weeks now of the of the uh, operation. His his pain is is down at a at a level. It's not uh, where it was in the earlier days there. And so we we're thank the Lord for that. Uh, they didn't uh, they kept the cast off and so it's just open. He's been asked. He still has to keep it up and elevated and no pressure for six weeks. And uh, so it's a little bit of a long haul. Uh, and without a cast to let it air and breathe, it just has to be very careful. So we, he covets your prayers, and thank you for the prayers that you've had thus far. So we just want to let you know that, amen. All right, well, I am going to, uh, by the Lord's help tonight, attempt my very first part two. <laughs> it's taking a while to get there, but here we are. <laughs> but uh, we'll just, maybe there was a little bit that we didn't get to last time we spoke. And we spoke on Captured by Her First Love, and we'll maybe just take a bit of a different angle, so to speak, and, and uh, recap and, and move forward and see where the Lord leads us. I pray you just pull as hard as you can. Amen. All right, so we're going to turn, and we'll start in Ephesians 3.1. Very short scripture we're going to read there. Pages still. Wait a moment. Ephesians three one says, "For this cause, I Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. For I, this cause, I Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles." We're going to flip the page over. We're going to go to chapter four, verse one. It says, "I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called." Where, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. And what does move go to one scripture? You don't have to turn to it, but I'll read it. Second Timothy one eight. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Amen. Let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father. We are so dependent upon you tonight, Lord. Lord, wanting you to be able to have your perfect uh, control and way and will in the service tonight. Lord, may you just settle myself, Lord. and Lord, the people that they could receive, Lord, not to look at, Lord, just a man and not just a service that we would come to at midweek. But Lord, we just want to commune with you. We want to fellowship with you tonight. If you could encourage us. You could uplift us, strengthen the weary, Lord, save the lost. Lord, that's our heart's desire that, Lord, your love would go forth and save the lost, Lord. We commit this service tonight into your hands. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. So last service, whoever was able to uh, 
here. The service we spoke on captured by our first love. And uh, we started, we read in Revelations where Ephesians church age, Jesus was speaking to them saying, I have somewhat against you because you've lost your first love. And we spoke about the importance of having that passionate, fervent, first love experience and not letting our walk wane as we go through these ages. And we, the error and the deviation at the beginning was not something that stopped there. It was something that was going to continue. And you read the quote, but Abraham said, since you understand how we judge what the true church was like, he said the basic errors or errors that we can, uh, that crept in the first church and were revealed in the book of Acts also in the epistles will become more and more visibly manifested in the subsequent age until we come to a complete blackout of truth. And so don't think that that loss of first love was something that was back there in Ephesians or Ephesus, Ephesians church age. It's something that was going to manifest itself continually and continually until we're at a blackout, which you can, I could imagine that the, the loss of a first love would be that much more apparent, that much more increased as the people would become lost in a much darker and wicked age that Laodicea is. And so we were urging and we were speaking about that love that was lost and we were in a very loveless age. And, and so what scripture said is if you remember, remember is what the scripture said. If you go back to Revelations 2 and go back and Brother Bram says, look at what you were once in your heart and mind and in your life and go back to it. Go back to that and repent and, and Lord will bring that first love and, and kindle that fire and kindle that passion that we need to have for him. Not just a, a loose, love relationship but a first love a passionate relationship for our lord jesus is what we were wanting to have and so but as we worked worked through the service we talked about well why why do we love him so that much why do we have a first love that much why are we so passionate for our lord that much and we talked because indeed it was his great love for us his great love for us why do we love him so why do we have such devotion to Jesus Christ is because his love for us is just that incredible. And we talked about that and we'll go into that maybe a little bit more tonight. And, and I, we could talk about his love over and over and over and over again. And it should never get mundane or repetitive because it's, it's just that incredible. We can never contain it in our words, how incredible our Lord's love is. And man, man is the, the love in this age. We'd say it's waned. We talked about that little love molecule in the in the mind and how fear is actually is uh, pushed back uh, and, and uh, with touch and with eyesight. That is is um, is the love molecule oxytocin is actually defeats fear and so perfect love casts out fear and that by the touch and by sight and by seeing that actually raised that within our in our brains that that molecule and they call it the love molecule and we talked about that but man in all of that and we the love of this day is uh, it's we talked about it being so cheapened but it's everywhere. You say, well, there's no love, but the love that is now, it's dramatized. I don't think there's any story, any film, any book, any, whatever it would be, whether it's a soap opera, I don't really care. It's, everything has some form of, of the world's love in it. Some form of it. 
is in there. There's, whether it's a fantasy, whatever it is, they have to at least have their camp. I, we, we were away on a camping trip and we had a little book series that we had brought along. So we were reading it with the kids. And of course, even just in the simplest of kids' books, they always have to throw in just a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a love story in there. You're like, this is a kid's book, right? Come on. But it's in everything. But this world has cheapened that. But it's there because they crave something. They crave a real love. And so it's everywhere. And they're trying to get it here. They're trying to get it there. People are just addicted to soap operas and this. And they're binging on that. Because they're craving something real. It's there. And they're trying to express it in the world. But it'll never meet that craving. Because it's not a real love. Amen? Okay? But then we were talked about, let me present to you the king of kings. Who his love, which we talked about in agape love, is that real love that will meet that craving. That craving and desire for a relationship. And his love is unwavering. His love is unchanging. It goes deeper than the lowest valley. It goes higher than the highest mountain. We sing the song. That's his love. There's nothing too far, too strong, too deep. Nothing will be, will be a, a, a stronger than his love. There's nothing his love can't meet. It's just that strong. That's his love. And it compelled him, as we spoke on last service, it compelled him to go to Calvary. It actually drew him or constrained him from heaven to because his love for you and me was just that great. Amen? But Abraham said the grace that constra- grace constrained him. Love constrained him to project sovereign grace to the earth to make provision to save you. Incredible. His love pulled him out of heaven. His love for you pulled you pulled him out of heaven. I find that incredible. He's seen you desired to be saved. He's seen you de- he's seen your desire to be saved, then God, through his love, his great attributes, would not permit him to do nothing else. If God is love and seeing a group of people before him that was going to be lost, and he see a group of people before him that was going to be lost, to make a way before him that was going to be lost, it's up to love to take the place, to make a way of escape. He must do it. It would be against his nature not to do so, so he makes a way. That's incredible love that would draw a king of kings out of glory because he must do it. That's God's love for us. Amen? Get rid of this coat. So our opening scriptures were Paul, I, Paul, a prisoner. A prisoner of our Lord. A prisoner of Jesus Christ. And a prisoner is captured. All right. And Paul, it was this love of God that captured Paul to be a prisoner to him. We're going to just talk to that. But before we go into that, Satan also wants to capture. Just as much as God does, Satan has a great desire to capture you. And I would say in some people's lives, you're in a great tug of war. Because there's a vying for you. And Satan's desire is burning and it's hot, but it's not out of love. It's out of hate. He hates a child of God. He hates 
when one would be saved and recognize that the king of kings came down to save him. He hates that. He wants to destroy. He wants to devour. And he has zero care. Zero care. And this is what his desire. So he's desiring to capture you. First Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Be vigilant means to watch, to give strict attention to, and to be cautious. All right? To be cautious. Because Satan is now going back as a roaring lion. Turn to Psalms 91.3. In this age, you can imagine how much more vigilant we need to be. Psalms 91.3 says, Surely... He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. I'm going to focus on three nouns here. Thee would be you and me is who this is talking to. Thee. And if you know, you probably, and this is for maybe the younger ones, a fowler. Well, we'll get there actually. You and me is typed as a bird in this verse because a fowler is a bird catcher. So thee is you and me, and we're depicted as as a bird going, uh, and a bird in this case is something that's helpless, doesn't have a lot of a lot of strength within it. It's fairly weak. It, it's 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 a bird. If you've seen a bird, I was actually sitting outside today and I saw this teeny little bird going by a bird feeder, and it, he's just as skittish as it gets. I'm I'm maybe ten feet away from him, I can watch him, and any slight move I make, that little bird is just bouncing. He's just bouncing through the trees. He wants to go to the feeder, but he's so skitterish because he knows there's something, uh, something's not quite right here. Someone that is foreign or someone that is a potential danger to me is fairly close by. And I, I'm, I got to be careful and cautious. This is a bird. This is the, this is what the is in this scripture. Snare from the snare. It's a trick or a situation that deceives you or involves you in some problem that you don't not you do not know about, or it's something by which one is entangled, involved in difficulties, or impeded, or it's something deceptively attractive, and it's likely to lure or tempt someone into harm or error. Now that's a snare in a metaphorical metaphorical uh, standpoint, but a snare in a physical standpoint would be a trap uh, of some sort of you know a little circle thing, and it's hooked up into a little snare thing, and you're gonna walk into it and. Zick, it tightens as you walk forward, or maybe you walk through a trip and it collapses on your neck, or maybe it's a little hoop that you walk through as you go for bait and it sinks up on your neck and you're caught in the snare. Okay? So that's a snare. The fowler is the devil. Deliver, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Someone that hunts birds, here depicted as Satan or the devil. And a fowler is concealed or he's hidden. He must be, because he wants to snare the prey. He wants to snare the bird. And so he has to be concealed and hidden, and he has no desire to be seen to give up where he's at or what's, what's up. He's often disguised, and he lays his traps so they're also hid. All right? The traps are hid. And here now these skittish little birds are now trying to seek food, etc. And this fowler has needs to have great patience. 
He takes time and effort. He researches because every bird is different. Some of them are higher up. Some of them look for food on the ground. And so he's looking at their habits. He's looking at what they eat, where they eat. And so then he can contrive a trap or a snare that works specifically for what he's trying to achieve and attain. So are we just like that, where we are very different and we are very unique. And Satan is working and watching. And he's pull, he has his notepad and notes on every single one of us. And he's continually writing down our weak points. He's watching us because he's constantly placing snares. He wants to know where that chink in your armor is. He wants to know your vulnerable area. And so he's going to watch. And he's very patient. Satan's got some serious patience. Because he waits for the opportune moment to set and bait the snare. He's the fowler. Now, 1 John 2, 15 to 17 says, Love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, these three things. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We've heard that many times before. And for the little ones, you can say, well, what? You know, I've heard that lots growing up, but what is the lust of the flesh? What is the lust of the eyes? What's the pride of life? You can rattle it off, but what is it? Because these are the areas that Satan is going to snare you in, or he tries to snare you in. That's where he's, that's, that's all that is in the world. So, and Jesus was tempted in these very areas. He was asked, turn the stone into bread. He was at 40 days. 40 days. It's a long time to go without food. Turn these stones into bread. You go 40 days without food. He could do it. He could do it. So he's tempted in the flesh. Because his body desired, needed food and sustenance. And by the word, he defeated the enemy on that. Amen? The eyes, bow down to me and I'll give you everything. That's what Satan said. I'll give you it all, just bow down to me. Right? And cast yourself down and let's see if the angels pick you up. Show us who you are. The pride of life. If you're God, show us you're God. Cast yourself down, let the angels pick you up. Okay, so he's tested in each one of these areas, and so will you. Scripture says he was tested on all points. Right? And so are we going to be tempted in all these areas. And Satan is going to devise many snares for each one of God's children, alright? The lust of the eyes is the desire to possess what we see or to have things which we ha- which have visual appeal. Okay? The lust of the eyes. Maybe it's coveting money or possessions or maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, other physical things that are not from God but are from the world around us. We've got a lot of materialism nowadays, of course, and it beckons with this promise of happiness or fulfillment. This is the lust of the eyes, the desire of the eyes. We have a media-saturated society and it bombards us with advertising. And imagine advertising of some sort in the, ba- in the old, in the days gone by. But now... It's personalized advertising. He can nail just you and your interests right to your phone 
Because he's got all that fancy ad tracking and he can drive a snare right down your alley for exactly your perfect mix of desires in the lust of the eyes fashion. Okay, that's the age we live in. It's just stuff. We have tons of stuff we can, we can get these days. Scripture, you know, the song says covet, not these worlds, this world's vain riches. These are the lust of the eyes. You know, but Satan knows that a son or daughter of God, they're not running out there to, to consume and gonna drop a, a bucket of gold bricks on you and you're just gonna take that and just go crazy in the world and, and, it's, and just consume the things of the world. He's, he knows you're not gonna do that. A child of God is gonna, he's not, she, he or she is not going to, to, to take that. They're, they're cautious. Beware the snare of the fowler. And so he know he knows he can't really do that, but so then he has to do it subtly. Right? And so then he throws out generally something, kind of a snare, somewhere along the lines of the snare of opportunity. And he'll just subtly put something out there. Because he knows it he has to set up a son or daughter of God for them to take the bait and therefore then be caught in the snare. Sometimes Opportunities can, can come in many different shapes or form, but when it starts to, it's something that starts to pull you out from your walk with God, that's where you know this is not an opportunity from God. This is a snare of the fowler. Alright? It can be a job offer to make more money. And that's not bad, but when it starts to become something where you're needing that more and more, so then you start working five, six, seven days a week, you're putting in a ton of hours, your family's forgotten, your kids are forgotten, then it's a snare. And that opportunity has now become not an opportunity, but a negative impact on your Christian walk. These are the things that we need to watch for in our Christian walk, amen? Lust of the flesh, we are born in the flesh, and the body has fleshly desires. It desires food, clothing, comfort, relationships. It's something that makes the flesh feel good. That's the lust of the flesh. Now, when that fleshly desire rules us and takes priority over God's desire for our lives, that's when that causes us to violate our walk with God and His Word, alright? Now, I'm just gonna read a little account here. We all know, who knows the account of Nellie Sanders, right? We all know Nellie Sanders. And she was walking along after she was saved about eight months and she was walking along that street and she came rushing into Brother Branham's house all torn up and, and completely distraught because something had happened. And you read the account, Brother Branham was just a very, very new Christian at that time. And uh, he said, well, what's the matter? I don't know what to do. I'm just a young fellow, he said. And she just said, I'm all to pieces. He said, now quiet down and tell me about it. She said, well, I was coming down the street, Redmond's Hall, and they used to have Saturday night dances there. And I had some stuff that I was going home to make me a dress and I heard that music, she said. You know, I just stopped a minute. So Satan knew she had a soft spot for this area. It might not be my soft spot. My soft spot's not your soft spot. I, he, I've got catered, he's got catered snares for me. He had catered snares for Nellie Sanders. He knew her soft spot was just hearing that little bit of music there. I heard that and I stopped just a minute and it kept getting better. So I thought, you know, it won't hurt if I stand right here. 
Oh, he said, that's where she made her mistake and stopped for a moment. She just listened. Beware the snare of the fowler. Just stopped a moment and listened. He said, well, I'm going to think, oh, Lord, you know I love you. He said, you know I love you, Lord. So now we're just justifying why we stopped for a moment here. We're going to say, Lord, you know I love you, but I can sure remember the time when Lee and I used to win all the cups and so forth, and I remember that old music used to attract me. Oh, it don't now. This is her talking to herself. Uh-huh. It don't attract you, but you stopped. Just a moment. It didn't attract you. And so you're, you're trying to just justify your position. Well, I'm okay. It doesn't attract me. Oh, what's that? And she was stuck and caught there and in the bait. And she was take, she took the bait when she stopped. Uh oh, but Abraham says, you just think it don't. It's already got you right there. That's just as good as he wants right there. See? Yeah. She said, well, you know what? So maybe if I walk up them steps, maybe I'll just be able to testify to some of them. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> You'd think that that is just so obvious. No. I'd never do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Satan wouldn't use that snare if it didn't get taken in. <laughs> It's time tested for him. He's like, yep, got that one. Pull it off the, off the shelf and throw it right there. I know they're going to take the bait. Be wary of this. Beware the snare of the fowler. And maybe I'll just be able to testify to some of them. Oh, see, you're right on the devil's ground. Stay out of it. Shun the very appearance of evil. That verse in the scripture should save you from a whole lot of headache. Shun the very appearance of evil. If it even appears like it could be a little off color, if it could just be a little bit wrong, uh, I don't know if this looks right. Don't do it. Amen. It's that simple. Down I, uh, sitting in a car and going on a, on a car ride, going from young people's to young people's and, oh, there's not enough people in a car. And, oh, well, this boy, you know, I'll just jump in the car with this girl. Shun the very appearance of evil. It can be something so simple, it's a snare. But she walked up to the tops of the steps, stood there a few minutes, and the first thing you know, she was in some boy's arms, out on the floor, trapped. And done. Right there. Baited and trapped. You need to watch those same thing with Samson. He was baited. We, had, we know of the story of Delilah. Delilah. You'd think that was plain to see. Come on, Samson. Really? No, because there's a weakness there, and Satan played on it. He played on it, and he will do the very same to you, whatever your weakness is. You identify that, and you have to keep it covered by the word. That's the only thing that will protect you is the word of God that will cover you from those areas that Satan can't penetrate your weak point. Brother Bram says, strip one of these little women off and set them down there on the beach somewhere with their bathing suits on and she'll send more men to hell than all the bootleg joints you got in the city. That's a pretty powerful snare that Satan sets out there. More men to hell than all the bootleg joints you got in the city. And this immoral age, men 
you beware the snare. Brother Bam says the devil knew that in the beginning. That's the reason he chose the woman. Pretty powerful. Pride of life. Desires such as to get the credit maybe or you want some glory from others. Or maybe you're desiring others to, to esteem you in excess esteem or to make a name for yourselves. You're desiring to feel valued or more important than others or, or have a position or something or something that puffs up or your ego. You want your ego boosted or you want some bragging rights. This is a pride of, of life a little bit. Um, I, maybe one of the, this is the area where Satan wanted to, uh, put himself above God. He wanted to lift himself up. And unfortunately, that area, the pride of life, can motivate the other two areas to elevate itself. And so it'll do this. It'll seek things in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, so that the pride of life can be boosted. And so we have to be very careful in these areas. These are areas of snares. I'm not going to spend too much time. We could spend a service on snares. Now, the fowler, Satan, can use snares. Now, a fowler also can use a net. Because he'll throw a net onto a bird. All right? Now, this fowler has got a very big net. And it's unique because the net that he has also is the type of snare of what it is. And it's also saying what it is. If you will get my point, the net that entangles or wraps itself around you more, the deeper that you struggle in the net and the bird flaps around and that net entangles you. We have an internet that does that. In this age, he has a very large fowler's net that he's thrown out. And you start getting into that area and you start to get in an area that you shouldn't be. And then you start clicking and clicking. And the more you go in there, that net just starts to entangle. And it starts to hold you and get you back. And before you know it, you have been so captured in this fowler's net. You're stuck. And that includes social networks in this fowler's net. And the endless scroll. Of social media content. And the ability it works itself into every area of our lives. The net of the fowler. It's very, very dangerous. He said, well, we heard, always hear these areas. You always harp on these areas. Yep, we do. You know, because... Who knows Peter Rabbit? Well, you didn't think that was coming, did you? He knew that it was trapped in Mr. McGregor's garden, his dad. He did, over and over and over again. But you know what? He knew that, and he still got trapped and put in rabbit stew. Yeah, just make sure you're listening. All right, so we can harp on it, and so did his dad know of the snare, but he went to the garden over and over and over again, and at some point, the snare got him, and he died. And at some point, we're harping and harping and harping on it, because we don't want you to be like that. Where the snare grabs you and the fowler takes you and you're dead spiritually. Right. Amen? Right. And if you're caught in any of these snares and that trap is then sprung, that bird then becomes in a panic because it's now caught. And that's a panic moment. 
And so they're all, you're all upset and you, you wonder what's going on. Now just watch. There was a little account here. An American sportsman was visiting the English nobleman on his estate. This is just a story per se. And the nobleman offered to take the American bird hunting. And so the American was surprised when the nobleman gave him a net instead of a rifle. And they went hunting and the nobleman showed how he was able to capture the bird with a net. And he picked up the terrified bird and he stroked it. He stoked it and calmed it and showed the American. He said, you know, you see, you guys, you have all your guns and you're blowing the poor creatures apart. Look here, not a feather on his head is harmed. You know, instead of shooting, bird hunting with shotguns, he said, use a net. And then this bird is not even, he's not even wasted. And so he's, the American says, wow, you know, he was a little charmed by this. And so he also began to stroke the head and help calm the little bird. And he said, well, what do you do with him now? He looked at the nobleman, looked at the American. He said, you know, what are you thinking? I'm going to wring its little neck, of course. <laughs> the end is still the same. And you can get caught in a trap. And you can struggle and struggle. But Satan will come and he'll just calm you. That's okay. You don't need nothing to worry about. You can still go to church and do that on the side. You, you can hold two different social media accounts, one for the front and one for the back. Or better yet, who cares about that? Just do whatever you want to do. Nobody even cares what you're doing on social media account. They don't even tell you about it. They don't even bring you up short about it. They're not going to say, this is contrary to the word of God, and you're in sin, and you're going to hell if that's what you're going to live like. No, no, nobody's even going to do that. Just do it anyway. And he's just stroking. No. You can just cut a little hair. Do a different hairstyle. No one even know. He's stroking. Miss a Wednesday? But Abraham says, Miss Wednesday church church service just to watch I Love Susie? I Love Lucy is what we know it is. Or to binge on some Netflix? Or some other app that you got? Hulu and whatever else? Oh, because it's on your iPad and no one even knows? Yeah, so nobody even knows about it. Who really cares? And he strokes you. And you've been caught by the fowler. And what he's trying to do at the end of the day is snap the neck of your spiritual life. That's what he's trying to achieve. That's all he desires. Because like we said at the beginning, he wants to capture you because he hates you. He despises and wants to destroy your spiritual walk with God. Beware the snare of the fowler. But the part of Nellie Sanders' account is she ran immediately to Brother Branham and says, I did wrong. I need help. I need to repent. Something. I went, I stepped aside and she immediately desired repentance. That's the heart of a child of God. Will you fall? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of snares out there. But immediately it was, I need help. Oh God, where are you? I'm caught in the trap. I'm caught in the snare of the fowler. Where are you? And we know what happened in that, where a prophet prayed for her. And here was the man that had been drunk in there, and a bat-like creature comes flying out. That would have been a very, very scary experience, to be honest. And Brother Bram says, oh, blood of Jesus, cover me. That's what you're dealing with. That's the snare of the fowler. It's very real. If the devil came to your door, 
This is, I think, I think Spurgeon said this. If the devil comes to your door with horns visible, I would never let him in. But if he comes with his hat as a respectable gentleman, he's at once admitted. He's never going to be coming to you exactly what he's trying to achieve or do to you. He's going to come looking pretty good in a tie. And he's got now all of hell at his fingertips. And he's got his, the bride of Jesus as his targets. I don't know. He doesn't care too much about people that are, that are already ensnared. But he does care a whole lot about those that are resisting him, right? So we need spiritual eyesight to walk through this world, which is in, essentially a spiritual minefield of, of ever walked. I haven't walked through a minefield or a snare field, but a minefield sounds worse as you're going through. I can't imagine. And they're all over the world. There's millions actually unfound and people dedicate their whole lives to trying to find hidden minds because they're tearing apart people's lives and limbs and everything else. And that's what you're walking through is a spiritual minefield. And we need the bulb sniffer of God's word to be able to know exactly where that snare or that mine is in your life. Without it, your chances are very, very small. You're going to make it through this world in this age that's blind, wretched, naked, and don't even know it. They're totally deceived. And you're going to try and work your way through without the word of God and being able to sniff out exactly where Satan's got you. No, uh some point a snare's got you or a mine is blowing your spiritual life up. And if we can only just look at that 50,000 foot level and God can bring you up, his scripture says the sons and God, daughters of God, are led by the spirit of God. He's going to lead you exactly where you need to go. Don't do this. Let's go this direction. Lord, lead me here because he knows there's a bomb there, a bomb there, a snare there, a snare there. And you're just walking right in line with his word. Peace. Peace. Amen. Once snared, once captured, then it's slavery. Then you're bound. Brother Bram talks about the eagle at the Cincinnati Zoo. He said, my, he said, he sat down like that and his weary eyes rolled back. Speaking of an eagle, looking around, I thought, oh God, that's a heavenly bird. He soars in the heavens above and he's caught. He fell into a trap. He's absolutely helpless. He can't deliver himself. He's weary. His eyes rolling around. I felt so sorry for him. He can't help himself. And every man that's fell into the snare of the devil is worse off than him. You're a heavenly being. He says, you're supposed to be a son, daughter of God. You're free, brother. He says, you got liberty in Christ Jesus. Believing God, loving God, loving God, living free from sin, living free from death. That's right. But how the devil has caught you and caged you up with smoking, drinking, all kinds of immoral living, thinking you're popular, thinking you're doing something. That's the most great, horrible sight there to see that poor eagle beating his brains on the cage out nearly against the cage, trying to get free. So what a horrible sight. That's a horrible sight for an eagle. And he's beating his head on the cage and his eyes rolling back. What more a horrible sight. A son or daughter of God is trapped in a cage and they're just beating their head and they're stuck. But you can call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Amen. Amen. Because how many here have experienced that hand that has reached down so far down into the trap or snare that you are in 
and saved you out of the snare of the fowler. Amen? We can be testimonies because maybe someone here or someone there on the streaming is stuck in a snare and you can say, no, 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 don't be weary. Just call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Amen? Because Psalms 124 said, Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He hasn't given you over. The fowler, the snare master, has not taken you and snapped your spiritual neck and and devoured you. No. He said he's not given us a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. The snare is broken. With Jesus Christ, your snare does not need to be in its intact shape. It can be crushed and mangled and tossed away. Because the scripture says the snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Amen. Now the fear of the snare should be behind you. There's no fear in the snare when Jesus Christ is on the scene. But beware the snare of the fowler if you are not right with God. Now, Satan's tactics are subtlety, baits, trying to get you to do something that you don't know about, entice you. This is his tactics to capture you because he wants to do that and hinder you and kill your walk with God. God doesn't do that. He doesn't have snares. He doesn't bait you. He captures you in one way. And that's his love. That's it. He doesn't set a trap trying to make you love him. You must love me. And bait you to that. And get you in there and lock you in a cage and say, love me. No, that's how Satan works. But he says, come unto me. All you that are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. This is how God captures you. Very different. Amen. It's the same God. Brother Bram tells the story of the, of the mom that dove into the fire. She took a cloth and she dove into the fire into the flames. She, her baby was in there and we have the little skit and many of the kids have probably seen it. She drives herself into the fiery house and smoke and flames everywhere and she has the cloth to wrap through her face but she only has the one and now she has her baby and she's stuck in the flames and so what does she do? She wraps the little one and holds her tight to her chest and she dashes out and the flames scar and burn her. And that's what God did. Abraham says that's what God did. He went into the flames. He went down into hell. He took the brunt of the blow and he came out marred because of his love. For you and me. That's how he captures us. And he's just wanting to tell you. Through a preaching of the word. Through the scripture. Through a message. Through a prophet. He's just trying to show you. I love you. This is what I've done for you. This is this is me. I, I died on the cross for you. Not the baits. And not the snares. But he's trying to capture you. In love. I can imagine. You say well. I'm way out there. I don't know why I sit, I don't know your situation. You say, well, you know, I'm been through this before. I said, no, no. Like I said at the beginning, it reaches to the lowest valley and reached to a woman at the well who went to four husbands, the fifth not being nobody's in that state right now. And what she went through 
and the snares and the traps that Satan sent to her. And she, here she was, and she was searching for something, searching for something, because she knew what she had was not the real thing. And the seed inside her constrained and compelled Jesus to her. He knew there was a seed there. I have to go this way because someone needs to know that I love her. Someone, she needs to know that I died. I'm going to die for her. He hadn't died yet. Amen. And she was looking for that. She craved it. And the one was there for her. Amen. Amen. Satan, as we said last time, Satan can't love. Satan can't love. All right. That's why he uses snares. He uses all that because he doesn't, he can't even love. And love is much, much, much stronger. The strongest force, but our Tim said in his prayer, I believe. Amen. And Satan can't use that. It's impossible for him. But God has, that's why his ways are much greater than Satan's ways. And so he searches and he's searching. I can think of Mary Magdalene. Scripture says saved of seven demons, seven spirits and the torment that she would have been in and the state of her life that she would have been in. Mary Magdalene. But Jesus, love, love, reached down that far. That far. You say, well, how far can it go? How about down to Legion, who is thousands, hundreds, whatever, a legion of demons that tormented him. And the love of God delivered that. That far? Yeah, that far. There's no end to where God can reach. Don't you ever... Say, well, I'm too far gone. You are never too far gone for God's love. Never, ever. Until you are, even if you are past 1000 times, billion times past legion, it still is not too far for God's love to reach you. Now it's that love that projected out of Christ that's captured us. Amen. It captured Paul. To capture is actually to take and control by force. Love, the strongest force. And so to take into one's possession or to control by force, to take by force or strategy or to take prisoner, that's to capture. Now you can say, well, on the devil's side, that's he wants to capture you. On one side, God wants to control and capture you with his love. Now, Brother Brown says the love of God had been had been too tremendous in such a revelation. He's talking about Paul that he could not get away from it. That's the true experience of every real believer who meets God. You come in contact with something that's so great that you get away from everything to imprison yourself to this. It's so great. So great that you offer up your hands and say, put the love bonds on me. He's so wonderful that you're willingly, you're not baited and trapped and then forced to serve. It's so incredible. The force of his love is so incredible. It controls you and captures you and you just put him on me. I want to serve you. Imprison me with your love, O Lord. The strongest force, force, amen. God's greatest love story. I I just thought what the largest, if to capture, if you read the definition, is to take by force or stratagem, strategy. God's love, think it's the largest strategy or stratagem that has ever taken place, is God's love for you to go and come down and die to show us his love. 
Look, all time, it all's happened and everything that's gone on through, through, for the last 6,000 years has all been a strategy to show him your love, his love for you. My. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> oh God, but Abraham says, make us prisoners like that. Speaking of Paul. From our own selfish ambitions and from our own judgments and a better way of thinking to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I think that was a great statement that I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Oh, to be able, I say, put your name there, Michael. Put your name there, Sister Grace. Put your name there, Sister Lillian. Put her, Steve. Say, I. Let me hear your names. I, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Oh, I like that. He was bound. He was bound by a chain, fetters of love to do the will of God and that only. He was a prisoner. He was captured. He was fetters of love. He was in a yoke with Christ. He could yoke up with nothing else. He was yoked with him and wherever that, wherever the lead went, that's where he had to go regardless. How green the path looked on one side, the other side, he had to go the way the leader and the yoke went. And that, when you become a prisoner, you've surrendered everything, your will, your desires, it all, and you are yoked to him, and he's the lead. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's so contrary to today's culture, because to serve or to be in bonds or to be a slave, that is so contrary to this day and age. I'm my own man. I do what I want. I have my rights. I'm, I'm solo. I'm free. And so to be bound in a love-slave relationship, that is so contrary to this world. And you be very careful you get inundated with the media and with this day and age's mentality. You will never, if you take that in, ever be in a complete surrendered state with Jesus Christ. Because to serve is he's our master. Better Branham said, but well, I'll say scripture. I'll back up first, actually. I said this last week. You're going to serve somebody, though. There's two forces. You're going to serve somebody. Whether you actually know it or not, you will serve somebody. You can, you know, you can choose serve, serve Christ. But your indecision to serve him is also a decision, essentially, to serve the other way. Matthew says, now a man can serve two masters. We know the scripture for you'll either hate one and love the other or else you'll hold the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. Brother Bram says, now notice the human body, our makeup, our regular anatomy that we live in here, it's not made to sin. It's made to do righteous. It's made to serve God. We're made to serve. It's built in us. To save. Ecclesiastes says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Right. Amen. It's actually 
in us to serve. I want to ask you, whose prisoner are you? Because you're somebody's. Whose prisoner are you? You ask yourself the question. And I appreciate your pulling. I'm not just preaching here. But I know everybody that's on the streaming and whoever might hear it afterwards. You know, Satan rebelled in the way in heaven. Because he wanted to ascend. Satan wanted to be worshipped. Satan wanted to be worshipped. He didn't want to serve. Satan did not want to serve God. He wanted people, angels, men to serve him. And therefore he was kicked out of heaven. And he rejected being under God's rule. And that's why rebellion is such a sin to God. He hates it. To rebel. It was what Satan did at the beginning. That's why homosexuality is such a hate to God. Because it's a rebellion against what God made. God made man and woman. Male and female. That's what he created. And the perversion of this day is to change that, pervert that, and make it something, some it, some pronoun. And it's a rebellion to God's word. And he hates it. That's why he hates it. Because it's right in line with what the devil did at the beginning. And rebelled against one to serve God. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Way up there. That's where God sees that. Way up there. And so to not serve him, to serve here, and to rebel against that, that is not a good spot to be in. But God doesn't do that, like I said, in force. And you must. He's just trying to express love. I love you. We're not resisting. Serving Christ is different from being captured as a slave or as a, and, and resistant and terrified and fear. That's not what it is. God, when you love him, there's no fear. He slips love bonds onto your wrists. And there's nothing that wants to tear you away from him. Not the world, not a habit, not a game, not a movie, not something. Nothing. Nothing wants to tear you away from that because your desire is to him. And therein lies the key, your desire. You've recognized, though God has opened that up to you. said, what a great love. And because of that, you desire to be in that relationship with him. Amen. He's just trying, but Abraham says, if we could only keep that in our minds, according to the word of God, that in this last days, he's going to have a church. He's going to have a people. And these things that he's promised, he's going to do them. He said he would. We're living in the time. He's just trying to get us to be real prisoners now, locked to him. So as Joshua said, choose ye this day whom you will serve. And these are the days we live in because there's not a lot of time left. So who are you serving? Who are you serving? Who are you a prisoner to? Now, God and Satan know the power of a captured servant. Now, when someone is so devoted to their master, so devoted to who they've, who they're a prisoner to, and, and in once in, uh, in the sense of being a prisoner, a love prisoner in a, in a positive and an endearing connotation, but a servant who's so devoted, they're willing to go to the death. A good servant, a good servant will do anything for their master. They are committed. A true servant will. Okay? And Satan knows that. God knows that. If you can just get someone that's totally committed, they're going to do anything and everything for that kingdom. All right? 
This is true. So God captures through love. Satan is trying to capture so he can emit and project his darkness through his servants. Okay, that's what he's trying to achieve. So then he can build up his kingdom and through all of his little people and, and pe- that he's been able to snare, he can then use them as an influence and he can then take this person down and he just wants to spread it because he wants to use that vessel to emit and project his darkness. Throw that on that side. But God captures with love. All right, we know this is where we spoke now. Because he wants to get that same love now and capture you and I so that you can project that love around you. That's his ultimate goal. If you can are a true servant and you are a love slave and bound to him, then you are going to project him who is inside you, which is love itself. Amen? Amen. Because Calvary, the ultimate projection of his love through Christ, projected his love, saving the lost, healing the sick, restoring the weak. And then he ascended, but he said, Lo, I am with you always. All right? And so now you are a projection of him. Captured and projecting now Jesus Christ. Amen? Joseph, he said, was in prison. And he constantly remembered he was born for a purpose. He was going to sit by a king and all the rest of them was going to bow a knee. His vision told him so. Amen. But before his vision could be completely fulfilled, he had to become a prisoner. But Abraham speaking. Amen. Then he become a ruler. Before the vision could be completely fulfilled, he had to become a prisoner. And before the vision that God has for your life can be fulfilled, you have to become a prisoner to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Then he became a ruler when he came from prison house and became a prisoner to the word of God. And he could say, only say what God put in his mouth. And then God moved through him. You want God to move through you. You want the vision that God has for you to be completely and utterly fulfilled in your life. You have to become a prisoner to him. Then he can move through you. He can project his life through you. And then God's word can manifest in its power through your life. Amen. You say, well, how is that power projected? You know, I think of the prodigal son. And what he went, what he did. We won't go through all the scriptures, but there he was wanting. But Abraham talks about it. He speaks the message of prodigal once. Way back. It's a very, very difficult one to hear maybe all of the words if you're listening to it. But he gives a, an account of the prodigal. The prodigal is, you know, done with all of this going back and forth to church and want to go down in the city and bright lights and all that and live like the way I want to do. And he came to his father and says, I want my inheritance. Father, give me your portion. I'm tired of laying around the house and doing these things. He says, well, son, can't you just stay with mom and I? We love you with all our heart. We want you to be, we want to be good to you, he says. We've done everything that would satisfy. No. And they couldn't figure out what's, what's going on. Why, why is our boy, why does he want to take his inheritance and leave? But our Brandon, he says, you know, I could see little mama. She'd scrubbed over the washboard and 
ironed clothes and fed him and raised him and whatever she could. So I don't want nothing. I'm leaving. And he had his own agenda. Obviously, Satan had snared him. He had his desires. And I, Brother Bram says, I can see her put her arms around him and hug him. She'd hug him and he turned his head. He doesn't want to kiss in public. And he's had so much disdain for that. But the love of a mom and the love of a dad. He says, oh, I can see them crying over to God. God, take care of my boy. Oh, God, take care of my boy leaving me now. No matter whatever she's done, he said she's forgiven. Her heart's all ready to forgive. Oh, just come back. And this mom and a dad. He said, just a moment, honey. Before you go, let's have a little prayer one more time. And they'd kneel down on the floor, and I can see the mom and the dad, their arms around one another, praying, Oh, God, we raised him. You've taken him this far. Just take him now, Father. He sees, you know, the prodigal boy is just restless and just, you know, uncomfortable, don't want to be in a situation he's done with, you know, can't wait for prayer anymore, and he just wants to get going with his friends. My brother Bram said, I can just see the mom and the dad, and he returned back to the house, and there's weeping and crying. Their boys just left them. But I want to show you the power of projected love. Because at some point we know that the boy went and he off he went and did all of his things, spent his inheritance. Brother Branham talks about how the mom and the dad they would be praying. And they'd be praying and they would remember their boy. And he says, I can hear the dad. Well, he's been taught and all these things work together for the good. He says, you know, and John, he goes, I can hear them pray. Oh, God, take care of our boy. Whatever he is, whatever state he's in, take care of him, Father. Send him home. Where he's at, down, down in that hog pen, going down to the hog pen. And the angel of God come to him. Boy, wake up. Talk to him. Oh, what about you just get back home now? Here's a mom and a dad's love. Oh, God, watch over our boy. Oh, God, where's our boy? Take care of him. Bring him home for us. And they're praying. And Brother Bram says, there's the angel of God. He says, boy, because Scripture says, and he came to himself. Something brought him to himself. Something brought him to himself. I says, that's the love of God through a mom and a daddy that were praying for him. And the angel of God says, wake up. Oh, what about you just get on back home now? That's the projected love at work. Amen? That's not just, if the scripture is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, then that same thing, if it's in your household or you need it, you project the same love. That angel of God is going to go right down and say, why don't you just get back home now? Amen? Amen. He says, I can see that father get real restless. Get up and pull his coat on and walk through the gate. A moonlit night. Looks down across the path. Wonder, man, where's my boy? Oh my, says, looking down the road. The boy who is far away. I can see the boy come to himself. Look back at it and sound. He can hear his mother praying. And the angels waiting to take the message. Amen? You're a a little mother's prayer. You say, well, it ain't that much. No, it's your projected love of Jesus Christ emitting through you in that prayer. And it's going straight up into heaven. And the angel Lord is just waiting to take that prayer and convey that and say, boy, get on home. That's the power of projected love. Amen? Amen. He said, well, Brother Tim, he mentioned 
the little mama down in Memphis, Tennessee. It's the exact same thing. Exact same thing. There she was. She says, you know the Shunammite woman's story? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. And she says, where's my Elijah? Elijah was on a scene right in front of her. You can say the same thing. You say, Lord, I'm praying as a Shunammite woman. And I have a son. Or I have a family member. Or whatever it is. I need the God of Elijah to come on the scene right now. And may the projection love. That love from a mama pulled that plane straight down out of the air. And brought a prophet way down out of his corner wherever he was walking. And brought him right to her door. Jesus Christ is right at your door tonight. And your love can project and grab a hold of whatever you have need of tonight. That's the power of a projected love. When you've been captured, when you're imprisoned, and then you can emit and project the love that you received out to who and what your need is. Amen. Amen. There's many accounts we could go through. We don't have time. Brother Bram talks about Bert and the deer. I can't even imagine. As he's sitting there, that cool-hearted liver, green-eyed, called him something, lizard eyes. That's right. It's pretty powerful words. You know what he said? I go, he went out with them because so he could save his soul. That's what Brother Brown said. Why, why I hang out with these men is so that he could save their soul. Amen. So he could, he, could, he could be a witness to them. That's why he hang out. He said, why hang around a guy like that? And here he was there. Now, you know, tooting a little, little fawn uh, whistle. Right, to bring a little fawn out. So that mother deer would walk on out there. And your mother deer, you know, whom, puts out the little fawn sound. And brings that little mama right in the wide open. Oh my, you're not going to do that, Bert. But her brand's just crushed. Why would you do such a thing? And he even hide his head. He didn't want to look. And Bert pulls up his gun and he just puts that straight on that little mama deer's heart. A big old barrel just pointed, ready to blast a hole right through her. And she's standing out there fearless. She says, my baby's out there. My baby's out there. She didn't care nothing about a big gun and her heart dying. And she stood there out there. Brother Brandon, he's just, just waiting. He's just waiting. And he's not hearing the shot. And he looks up and he's just seeing Bert. Can't even pull his gun together. Throws his gun down. He says, I can't do this anymore. Why? Because the love from an animal, the love from an animal could project out and take the cruelest of hearts and break it. If an animal can have that love and the power of that, what is the love of Christ emitting and projecting through a captured prisoner of Jesus Christ? What could that do in your home? What can that do in your situation? I can tell you, you can turn it around. It'll break the crusty heart. It'll take the stony heart, match it into just fleshly tablets that God can work with. Amen. Amen. That's who you are. That's who you are. You are that love. Projected. In this day and age. That's who you are. You walk that way. You live that way. You say I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. If that was your confession tonight. I'm not a prisoner. I'm no 
fowler. I know Satan's kingdom. I'm a prisoner of love. He's rescued me. He snatched me out of the snares. I've accepted his pardon. And that's who I'm bound to. And now you are that projected love. Amen. Who's going to be the love projected musicians you can come? Who's going to be the love projected to the woman caught in the very act? Who's going to be that? Name the situation. You're going to have to be that love. Someone caught in the very act where you can then emit that forgiveness. He just looked in the, who has the, cast the first stone. He who doesn't have no sin. That's you. We are going to be that in this day, in your situation, in your world. Who's going to be the one that projects the love when he went through the temple with the whips? Who's that? This is all Christ. Christ is love. And he went through fierce. This is the house of God. Maybe you have to stand up in a situation that's going to be you. Admitting that part of Christ's love. Who's going to project the love when he needed, when he bore stripes and he bore them for you and me? In this day and age, who's going to be that? Bearing stripes, bearing persecution. He said, it's, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. God captured you for a purpose so that he can spread his love through you and through me. Amen. There might be the natural love molecule that we talked about in the first service. But you be the hand extended. The song says, just to be his hand extended, reaching out to the oppressed. Isn't that in the song? That's your hands. That's your eyes. You be Christ. You be the one that touches. You be the one that seeks out. You be the one that... Someone is needing healing. Christ through you, you pray for them. You're Christ in this day. You're his projected love in this day. That's who you are. That's what you've been captured for. You just haven't been captured to be put in the back closet. No. Each one of you have been captured for a purpose so that his love can be broke forth from your life. Amen? Last quote. Now... But Abraham says, Christ makes his prisoners of love. His sons, he gives them power. The same thing he had. St. John 4.12, ye that believeth on me, see the works that I do, shall ye do also. He says, now the prisoner of love of Christ becomes empowered by his king, who is Christ. You become empowered by your king, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Live it. Live it. You say, I'll ask you again. Whose prisoner are you? Whose prisoner are you? You say, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. When you can look at that scripture in Ephesians, you can say, I'm Michael, prisoner of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing. Let's sing, giving my life away. We'll sing the verse. I love this song. I pray all the time, Lord, I just surrender to you constantly. Don't let anything, anything get in the way that my life cannot be used by you in just even the smallest way. I want to be his prisoner. No earthly price could be too great. Amen. We'll start with the first verse, though. Oh, I've seen a vision heart. And sweet of one. 
I can offer is my all. Amen. If you haven't given your all, you can tonight. You can tonight. This isn't a snare of opportunity that Satan is throwing at you, but it's an opportunity that's God given to say, 
I just want you, all of you. My love is so great. Lay it down. I've broken this snare. Now run to me. Amen. Isaiah 49, 24 says, Shall the prey be taken from the mighty or the lawful captive delivered? Thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty even those that have been captured by a mighty force, by maybe a demon that is so strong that has been captured by the mighty shall be taken away. And the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. Amen? That's the scripture. For I will contend with him that contended with thee, and I will save your children. Amen? And I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood. And all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am Savior and thy Redeemer and the Mighty One of Jacob. Amen. That's your God. I, thus saith the Lord, I will contend with him that contended with thee. You send your love. You send Christ's love projected through you. And Jesus Christ will contend with that enemy. Let him do battle for you. The angel of the Lord did battle and brought that prodigal back to his right mind. That's what your God can do for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. I just don't even know how to close. I want to rejoice. I want to let Lord work and deal with someone. Whatever he chooses to do, I will. You just linger. Let's just sing, though, when he reached out his hand for me as we close. Was a stray for a Oh.
Victor. Would you come and close the service in a word of prayer, Brother Victor? Amen. If you need his hand to reach, he can do that right now tonight. Come ahead, Brother Victor. He can reach way down because there's testimonies here of how far down his hand has reached already. And he'll reach one more time. He's not over. His grace is still sufficient for you. Amen. Brother Victor, we close the word in the service and word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I don't have words, Lord, to express. But Heavenly Father, even just driving here, thinking about these very thoughts, Heavenly Father, that your servant, Brother Michael, came and ministered, Lord. You've been thinking about the snares, Father, oh God, or the darts of the enemy, Father, and how you've given us a shield of faith to withstand the enemy. And Father, here you come, Lord, in your presence, in your word, in your love, and just confirm, Lord Jesus, Everything, Lord, that's been upon our hearts even today, Lord. Lord, we just want to give you thanks. and We just want to give you praise, Heavenly Father. For, Lord, you are mindful, O God, of the battles. You're mindful, O God, of the things we go through on a daily basis. Lord, you're mindful of the weak, Lord. You know how the world is, Lord Jesus. You know, Father God, how the enemy is constantly fighting. But, Heavenly Father, you've given us a promise, Lord. Lord, as your prophet said, and how can I overcome? Lord, he said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, Father. So, Lord, I want to give you praise and thanks, Lord Jesus, for all you've done, dear God. Father, Lord, thank you for the word that's given us strength tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, uh, Lord, more arrows in our in our quiver, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, sharpen our swords, Father, oh God, to defeat the enemy, Lord God. We want to thank you, Heavenly Father. I want to ask you, Lord, to strengthen Brother Michael, Father, Lord, as he's labored, spent hours, Lord, probably days, weeks, Lord. Lord, to study and prepare for the service, Father, we pray that you'll strengthen him, Father. Strengthen your people, Heavenly Father, as we go, Lord Jesus. Lord, remember those who are sick amongst us, Father, as Brother Tim prayed. Lord, we pray that your presence, Lord, that your word, which has gone forth even now, Lord, will fulfill that which it was sent forth to do, Lord. Lord, we're expecting testimonies, Father God, in the coming days, Lord, in the coming weeks, Father, of the things you've done for us, Lord. We thank you now. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, Brother Victor. Amen. Linger. Worship. Go home with his presence. I know he loves you with a great love. I love each one of you with a great love. Pray that nothing was said that would be harmful, but only encourage and make you more aware of the wicked age we're in and realize that he has such a great love for you. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.